0: Good 4th of July. Amen. Were you still up as I was at 1 a.m. listening to my neighbors spend their money. And, um, yeah, amen. God's good. Amen. <laughs> well, welcome to Cornerstone Church. My name is Sean F. Kim, lead pastor here. We're glad you're here today. We only have one service today because a lot of people are going out of town and everything. So we decided just to cram everybody in who's going to be in town and uh, enjoy. But next week we'll go back to our two services at 9 and 11. So make sure those who are... Uh, here at from nine o'clock, we'll be back there at that time. And I, you know, I just kind of, I, I came here and I, I woke up this morning. I usually wake up around five a.m. and on Sunday mornings, just uh, get ready and then prepare for the Sunday service. And and I think I'm, I was I was w- trying to uh, woke up at five, and I think, man, I don't have to get up to this early anymore since we only have eleven o'clock service today. I'm thinking this is what everybody who comes at eleven feels like, and so. <laughs> I know why you come dead at 11 o'clock sometimes. And so, wow, I was thinking, I was twiddling my thumbs. What do I do, you know? (laughs) So anyway, God's so good, isn't he? Amen. Listen, if you weren't here last week, I, I want to encourage you to go online sometime this week. Listen to the message. We dealt with some of the things that were happening in our nation, especially with the Supreme Court, what they dealt with. I encourage you to go and listen to that. And um, uh, just, just so you can be a part of what we're into. We're in a, a series on 1 Corinthians. We'll be in this series till probably September, by the way. And, um, and I'm looking forward to all that God's going to be speaking through us. And so we kind of jumped the gun a little bit, went to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 last week. Now we're back in to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And you can go ahead and turn there, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. We're going to go through 10 through 17 today. And uh, just really it's so important this this book and as we talked about a few weeks ago how Paul says this is not just for the generation that he's talking to this is for all generations this whole book and this book is so important to where we are at today as the church in America. And, as you know, that this church is a really screwed up church. You thought we were messed up. This one is really messed up and uh, but it's really dealing with a lot of things that even the body of Christ in the United States here especially, is dealing with today and so um, and we'll talk about a few things here now now, you got to understand the whole thing about the early church. they didn't have buildings like this. Um, in the early church. They didn't meet in buildings. And some people say, well, that was not never God's plan. No, it was illegal for them to actually have buildings of their own. Uh, Christianity was not looked upon lightly, you know, because Caesar was God, and that's who you worshipped. You know, he was the main thing. And anything that was taken away from that was not was not legal and that's why you saw the persecution of the the church and killings it was okay to kill christians and and the the brutality that happened Throughout the next hundred, few hundred years was just incredible. And so what was happening here in Corinth, the church, they met, not in buildings, but they met in small homes. Now they would come together in large groups, as we see in First Corinthians chapter 14, that they did come together. But most of the times they were in houses. And now these houses are a lot smaller than your house today. You think you live in a small house, take your garage, that was their house. And, um, and they would meet. So they would have multiples of these houses all through Corinth. Okay, And so when we're talking about this and what's happening even in the rest of this chapter, and it goes on through the book, this is what we're talking about. When we're talking about when the churches were meeting, this is how they were meeting. But they were meeting and they were talking about here, especially what Paul begins to talk about, he talks about divisions. And they were having problems with each other, so you saw, saw these multiple house churches and groups of them, or maybe one or two here and there, but mainly groups of them were against each other. There was divisions among these house churches. They didn't see eye to eye on things. And and some were probably saying, my church, house church, is better than your house church. And and that goes on today, and that's not the right thing to do, okay? So when we're talking about this, we're not only dealing with our local body, but we're probably also dealing with the whole church in general, okay? And so, so that's what's happened. So let's read here in chapter 1, verse 10. It says, now I plead with you Brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together. Some versions versions perfectly united. uh, That perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of of you says, I am a Paul or I'm Apollos, or I'm of Cephas, or I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Cyprus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas besides... I do not know whether I baptize any other, for Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Now here Paul really, he starts out in verse 10, it's really a summary statement about this section, and he's appealing to all the Christians here in, in, in Corinth. And he asks them, to be united, to be in agreement, to be in u- unity with one another. And he's saying that I wish you would say really the same things. Now we like to say around here, that's why we have a vision statement. And, and our vision here, and we like everyone to know it, is to help people become fully devoted followers of Christ. And, and and in that, it's a broad statement, but we want everyone to know that we're really about discipleship. We're really about you knowing Christ. Alone, and so that's our vision. Say we want everyone to say that. Now, be one thing if we, if if we, if I said that, and then all of you had different versions of that, we wouldn't be united, you know. And so Paul wants them to be united, and it's very important for them to be perfectly. In fact, he says perfectly in some versions, united. And Paul uses a couple words here. He uses the word divisions, and he uses the word uh, united or joined together. And, and these words really are taken out of Paul's profession. I don't know if you know this, Paul was also a tent maker. And there'd be times that Paul would uh, go out and, 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 and fix tents or make tents. And so that was a, a very common thing for Paul if he needed extra money or if that's what God just told him to do because that's what he needed to do at the time. And so Paul uses these illustrations as if that he was taking you know, a tent and, and fixing it and there was a hole in the tent. And that he would take a leather piece and he would sew them together where the seams would be, you couldn't see them, and they would be one, they would be united. So when the wind come, came and the, and the rain came, you, there would be nothing dripping through. And that's the picture that Paul wants the church, where nothing can get through it. There would be no holes in it. And that would be, if you look at it, if you looked at the church, even there's maybe differences, when you look at the church, you see one. But you don't see just a man. The church reflects Jesus Christ Himself. And that is the heart of Paul. Now remember a couple of weeks ago I told you that this book, Paul says, was for all men and for all time. That's for you and I today. And so Paul is wanting this. And the, in fact, Paul lo- talks about this so much he uses a quarter of, the, of First Corinthians to talk just about unity, chapters one through four. And so he's talking about this unity. So this is a very important thing to Paul, and so he uses 25 percent of the First Corinthians just to talk about unity. And it's actually the first problem Paul pursues. of all the other issues going on with this messed up church. He talks about unity. He doesn't go after the guy who's sleeping with his stepmom. He doesn't go after the people who are getting drunk during communion. He doesn't go after all the people going up to the temple to worship by being with prostitutes and to be an acceptable thing in the churches. So he talks about unity first. Why does he do that? Why is that so important? Let me put it into some perspective here. It's July 4th weekend, Right? A verse I used last week comes out of 2 Chronicles and talks about if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I will turn from him. I'll turn their land. I'll change their land. I'll heal their land. See, the problem with America, I believe, is not the lost. The problem with America is the church. It's you and I is the problem. It's not... It's not the lost. The lost are going to do what they're going to do. It's not our government. Listen, our government is not Christian. It hasn't been Christian for years. The problem is the body of Christ throughout America. We're not one. We're not united. Under the cause of Christ. Now I can't do, with, do anything about anybody else. But I can definitely do something about Cornerstone Church. And you and I can do something about us. That we're going to be united. We're going to reflect Jesus Christ. So it's so vital that the church be who we're supposed to be and be united in that. To know who we are and to live like the righteousness that Jesus provided us to do. Because a church, unity is so important because a divided church is a dying church. A divided church is an unhealthy church. And a divided church has no impact. Therefore, church unity must be fought for. Church unity just doesn't happen. We must go after it. We must make it a priority in our life. Not to allow the enemy to come in and bring division in our life. You see, the enemy wants to bring disunity in the church because if he does, it becomes unhealthy and it starts to die. It never impacts a city. And so that's what Paul's fighting for. Then he goes on in verse 11. He says, For it's been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household there are contentions among you. Now, who is Chloe? Now, now Chloe is a woman. And, and uh, it's, it's very strange here because usually a woman's name would never be named ahead head of a household. And so what we see, this is probably a very wealthy uh, family here. She's very wealthy, but that household could mean a couple of things. It could mean just your home, but it also could mean a household calling the church. And so this lady was, was the head here, and but, but it's been clear to Paul, and he says some here, this is why he wrote the letter, is there's been some contentions. There's been some disunity among you. So Paul was taught told about conflicts. This is what's happening in this body here. We look in chapter 5 and verse 11. We see that there's actually reported, he said there's been, excuse me, in verse 1, there's reports of of things going on. So people are reporting to Paul in chapter 7. He's hearing things concerning of those things that you wrote to me. He begins to answer some questions that have been wrote to him. And so there's divisions that are happening. There's people wanting this or people doing it this way and people saying I like this more. And There's a lot of things going on here. So Paul begins to answer. And then in verse 12 he goes on and he says this. Now say this, that each of you say, I am of Paul and I am of Paulus. Or I am of Cephas or I am of Christ. So Paul talks about the dissensions or the contentions that are going on here. And here's the problem what was happening here And what was one of the reasons that were bringing divisions. There's a number of divisions that were going on. But this is one of them. The problem here is their primary loyalty. There's been the groups of churches that's saying, "I'm, I'm of Paul. There's groups of churches that says, I'm of Cephas or I'm of Paulus. Or there's the super spiritual ones that says, I'm of Christ only. And so the problem here is their primary loyalty became into a personality. And not the person of Christ. You should never be loyal that way to me. Well, Pastor Sean says this. Pastor Sean says nothing less is in the Word. And if I say anything that's not in the Word, then please get away from me. It's all about Jesus Christ. Their primary loyalty became because of a person. Some of the house churches had that great loyalty to Paul, some to Apollos. Now, Apollos actually was the one who's going to become, become the pastor over these churches in Corinth. Cephas was actually Peter the apostle Peter and then those ones who says I don't follow any man I only follow Jesus those are actually super spiritual people who really didn't even follow Jesus so the problem here really you know personal loyalty there's not a real problem with that there's a proper loyalty to people you can show cuz Paul later says follow me as i follow the lord as i follow christ but the problem comes when that personal loyalty trumps the lordship of christ and that was what was happening here the problem is when personal loyalties causes controversies and that's what was happening here with these churches i'm better than you because we follow paul no i'm better than you because the apollo says so he's the apostle of us now And the problem with secondary loyalties, they become primary loyalties. And so that's what was causing division here in this church. And look what Paul says in verse 13. He says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And so Paul really is bringing it back here to a central issue of what brings unity here. And that's Christ and the cross and what he did. Now I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. And we'll go more in detail about Christ and the cross. And that central unity that we should have next week. But this is what he's talking about. He says, listen, I didn't die for you. I didn't bring anything to you. I'm really a servant of the Lord. And that's it. The essential issue is unity, and unity is with Christ and the cross. You know, we have many people in here that differ about a number of things. You may not not agree with one another about certain issues about the Bible. Some of you may not, if you sit down with me, may not agree totally with me. Even though I'm right, you may not agree. <laughs> I'm joking, please. Please understand that. Um, maybe, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. I'm not sure. But, um, but you may not totally agree. Those are primary issues, and, and there may be issues that are important to me. But they're not issues to divide on. They're not issues to say, I'm better than you, or you're better than me. Or I'm right and you're wrong. Those aren't issues. If we can be strong on the issues that are essential issues, those are important. And that's what Paul is really talking about. Because those issues may be important, but they're, 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 not, they're not to break apart the body. You know, one of the big things in here, we'll, we'll talk about here, it here in about six weeks, I think, is the issue of speaking in tongues. And some of you love speaking in tongues. That's something that's very important to you. It's very valuable to you. Some of you don't agree with that at all. But is that an issue that should, should move you into different places and cause division? No. That's, a, that's an important issue. But it may not be an essential issue. And it's not as essential as you, as you believe. The essential issue that Paul's talking about, because Paul deals with this issue a little bit later. They deal with other gifts of the Spirit, and people just really going crazy in the wrong way with the gifts of the Spirit. And we'll talk and try to bring some balance to that, and they're important, I really believe, and I'll teach on that. But they're, they're not the essential issues. And we don't want to be divided upon that, and that's what was happening in the church of Corinth. So there's issues that are important, but they're not essential. If we're going to divide on anything, we're going to divide on the essential issues. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins, we're going to divide on that. If you don't think He died on the cross and He is the Lord and the only way to to God is through Him, we're going to divide on that. Amen? But if you don't want to speak in tongues and you don't like that I speak in tongues, we're not going to divide on that. We love each other. Amen? Okay, verse 14. It says, I thank God that I baptized none of you except for Cyprus and Gaius. Now, Cyprus was the leader of sin to God. We talked about him. Gaius is the. As with Paul, even when he wrote the book of Romans in Corinth. And he might have lived, Paul might have lived in, in his house. his house because he was a very wealthy guy. And this house probably was a lot bigger than some of them. In fact, when all the church came together, they might have met as his house. Some theologians believe. But he, he, he says that, that I, only baptize, I only I only baptize... Cyprus and Gaius. And why was, why was this important for Paul to say? Look at verse 15. He says, Lest anyone should say that I baptized in mine own name. And so here Paul's dealing with this issue again. Because he says, I don't, really, he's what he's saying, I don't want loyalty to me. Don't use my name for your self righteous gain, for your pride to bring division among the people. He's correcting them here. So he said, Man, I only baptize. These two people. But then he says in verse 16, I think this is funny. Oh, yes, I also baptized Stephanus, his household of Stephanus. Beside that, I don't know whether I baptized anybody else. I just love that. There's, it's actually an important part here. Sometimes we skip over these little small things. It's very important. Who is Stephanus? Well, th- there was three men that came to Paul. And we see this in 1 Corinthians 16, 17. And they came to Paul. And this is what a lot of theologians believe. That they came to Paul. And these are the ones. These are the men who brought the questions to Paul. And brought the concerns to Paul from the church. This is what's happening in Corinth. What do you think about these things? And Paul begins to answer those. Especially after verse uh, chapter 7. And so what was happening here. Well, this is what I believe. And I, I could be wrong. But this is what I think was happening. These three men were waiting for Paul to finish. First Corinthians to take it back to the church of Corinth. And so they're waiting there, in there. Now remember what Paul does, most of the time is what he does, he dictates to somebody else. And so he's out loud preaching to somebody else, and they're writing it down. Paul didn't usually write down uh, these letters. But he spoke to them, and someone else wrote, wrote what he spoke. And so as he's speaking, he says, I only baptized Gaius and, uh, and uh, Cyprus. And I bet Stephanus went, <clears throat> Um, me too so that's that's what that is I know that was super spiritual but that's what happened here and so but it's very important we'll talk about these guys a little bit later but these are some of the guys that actually were bringing these concerns to Paul then then we see in verse 17 for Christ did not send me to baptize but to preach the gospel not with the wisdom of words lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect Paul's talking about the essential issue here that the essential issue of unity is not who spoke to you, who discipled you, but it's Christ. is the essential issue in our lives. That's what brings unity. Now that speaks volume. Now a lot of us, we believe a lot of the same things. You come to our church, you know what we believe. If you go on through our growth track, we, we, we show you what we believe. We show you the essentials and we show some of the things that are important to us. But this has a lot to do with churches all around us. If they love the historical doctrine of Jesus Christ and who he is. And come to that. We can have unity. We are not against other churches. You know that. In fact myself and even Pastor Tom. We donate our time in helping other churches. In fact this week. It was about four hours for me. To take out of my time, out of my duties here at Cornerstone. To go meet with pastors. Meet with a hurting pastor from St. Joseph. Meet with a, uh, uh, another pastor who's local in, in this area that just needs encouragement. That's, that's who we are. We love the body of Christ. We're not against other churches. At all. We should pray for other churches. There should be unity in the body of Christ in Kansas City. And we as a church, we work for that. We love that. Now, if there's churches that don't agree with Christ and don't agree with the historical doctrines, yes, we're going to divide and we're going to, you know, we're not going to be unified with that. We believe that unity is the essential core of what Jesus talked about. And so that's why. And it's so important. But us, for as a church, it's important that we fight for unity. Because the enemy can come in here and try to break up this church. I'm so thankful that it hasn't happened. You know, one of the reasons happened, because I fight for it. We fight for it as a staff, as the elders. We fight for the unity. If we hear someone talking, you might get a knock on your door—a calm knock with some cookies or something just to calm you down a little bit. Listen, if you want to calm me down, just bring me cookies and milk. I'll be calm. I won't say a word for at least ten minutes, depending on how many cookies there are. And um, but you know, we fight for that because it's so important. Because it's not we're against people; it's we're against the enemy. Our fight is never with a person. It's always against the enemy. And So where is the enemy coming in? And that's why Paul talks about this here. Because why? The church of Corinth was not effective. And when division came in, sin came in. See, only when there's unity, when there's unity, nothing can come through. But when there's division and complaining the enemy has, has ways, has cracks. Think about it in your marriage. When there's not unity, division can come in, right? I mean, when, when and all other things, I mean, there's just, there, there's hate, and it, it takes something that might have been small, that was maybe important, but not essential, and it blows it up, Right? It's in everything. Your job blows it up. There's not unity in in the employees. It just blows things up. It's not good. And it's so important that you and I, as the body, fight for that. You fight for that unity. So like when somebody comes to me and complains about one of you, this is what I tell them. Have you talked to them yet? No, no, I haven't yet. Well, then stop talking to me. Because that's the order the Lord gave us, right? That's the whole thing. Is that we need to fight for that unity. Because there's something important about it. Because the enemy wants to come in. Now, let me give you two scriptures. John 17, Gordon, turn there. John 17, verse 20 and 23 And the other one we'll go back a little bit in just a minute in John 13, 34 through 35. Why is unity important? Why should we fight for unity? Now let me read in John 17, verse 20 through 23. He says, I do not pray. This is Jesus talking. I do not pray for these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word." So that's you and me. Right? We are products of people that started with Jesus from the apostles. Verse 21, that they all, you and I, may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you. That they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. That's so cool, isn't it? We could preach months on just the glory that God's given us. The glory you gave me, I've given them, that they may be one, just as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may be perfect and may, may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that you have sent me, and have loved them as you have loved me. Now turn over to John thirteen thirty four through thirty five. Says. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. See, listen, Jesus prayed for it. We should embrace unity. He prayed for it. He prayed that you and I would be one as him and God are one. The Father is one. Jesus prayed for it. We should embrace it. Jesus commands it. And we should obey it in chapter 13. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this, all will know that you're my disciples. So Jesus commanded that we should embrace it. And our effectiveness in reaching people is impacted by our unity. Verse 21 of chapter 17 says, That all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. You know, the reason we're not reaching people, because sometimes we're just not one with the Lord and not one with each other. Listen, nothing can stop a church that's unified. Unified in the Lord and unified with each other. Listen, you're going to have differences. With You're not going to like what your person next to you wears all the time. You're not going to like the way they talk. But that's okay. That's not an essential issue. Right? What's essential is cross, the Christ and the cross. Our effectiveness in reaching people is going to be, amen, that's an amen. Um, thank you. Is by, the, by our unity. Non-Christians are actually allowed to judge us by it. Verse, chapter 13 verse 35 says. That's why in chapter 6, Paul talks about people suing each other. He says, why are you bringing your issues to the world? You deal with them in the church. Because the world is able to judge us by it. And that's important. That's why we should fight for unity. We should embrace it. We should obey it. Because it impacts our city. Here's what real unity isn't. It's not uniformity. It doesn't mean that we're all the same. Thank God you're not all like me. And I know you guys are really thanking Jesus for that one. Thank God we're all different. Look around you. How many different people. Some are old some are young some are tall some are short and you know the rest some talk differently you know the reason why? because this world is different and you and I are called to reach this world so real unity is not uniformity it doesn't mean we're all the same real unity doesn't mean we avoid the issues we don't avoid the issues we talk about issues we confront people Not avoiding issues. That's what was happening in Corinthians. That's not what Paul wanted. It's not overlooking sin. We don't overlook sin. Because why? Sin destroys. And we love you enough to tell you that. And to help you out of it. And this is what real unity is. Real unity is showing grace and humility to those who view things differently than we do. On the non-essential issues. Real unity divides over the essentials but dialogues over the important one you and i can have a talk on issues that aren't essential we can talk about those things and real unity is someone who loves god with all their heart and loves others as themselves in order to reach people see the one thing i've learned if that is you are passionate the passionate people for god usually have no problem with unity Because it's not about them. It's not about their agenda. It's all about Christ. Those people make an impact in their community, in their families, in their church. Because it's not about them. It's not about my agenda and getting my agenda out. Not about me changing this. I I had somebody come here one time a long time ago says, you know, the only reason I'm coming here is to change the church. And I says, well, you can turn around and go to another church. If that's your heart, it's not here. If your heart's to come here and worship Jesus and serve, yes, do we need to change as a church? Heck yeah, we're not perfect, we're not there yet. But if it's all about your agenda, now, this person got kicked out of about five different churches because causing problems. So if you're passionate about God and the Lord, you're going to be fine. In John 17, we read that in verse 20-21. through 21, He does a prayer here. Look what he prays. I do not pray for these alone, but for those, but also for those who will believe in me through the word. And this is his prayer. This is Jesus' prayer for you. That they may be one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. Who's the central issue issue here? Jesus. That the world may see not how great you are, not how awesome we are, not how we have it right and all together, how Jesus does. See, my, my question to you, and this is Paul's question to the Corinthian church. Will you be part of the answer to Jesus' prayer? Will we love each other, pray for each other, become a family, even a family with differences? Will we be like that? Because that's what makes the church of Christ great. That's Paul here. That's what he desires for this church. This is the, the, the one problem he does first. And if they get this right, Corinthian church gets this right. None of these other things will come around. Because we'll be one together. Amen? I tell you what, there's so much, so much greatness that God has in this when the church becomes unified. Our answer to our nation is the church. I have no doubt about it. It's the local church. And when the local church does its job, things change. Amen? Amen. Get anything out of this? Amen? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Let's pray. Father, we just love you. We thank you for your word today. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for what you've done in worship. Father, for the ministry, for the word that came out, for freedom. To be set free from all the fears. Father, help us be one. As you and the Father are one. But I pray for Cornerstone Church. That in the next coming days. And how you're growing our church. And how people are being healed. Saved and delivered and set free. Becoming fully devoted followers of you. That that because of our unity. That will increase even more. Not for our sakes. But for this world. To be a light. And to this nation. And I thank you for it. So I bless everyone here, God. And I pray they get a revelation and understanding of what unity looks like in Jesus' name. And wherever the enemy tries to come in, Lord, that will recognize it. And will stop it in his tracks in Jesus' name. Because, Father God, we're all about you and we're all about the Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for all that you've done in us and through us. In Jesus' name, everyone's eyes closed, no one looking around. But so I want to give this opportunity for those who are here that have never given their lives to Christ. As you've been sitting in your chair today, you're here for some reason. Maybe I don't even know why you're here. Maybe you got drugged here. I don't know. But you know you need something more. There's something more in this life. Well, you're here for a reason because God drew you here. And the only way to feel that emptiness inside is to give your life to Christ fully. To Say, God, I give you everything. Because when you do that, he has something for you. He has forgiveness of all your sin. The Bible says all of us have done that. All of us messed up. And that's why he sent his son Jesus to die for us on the cross. So we might live. So we wouldn't have to go through the punishment that sin brought. Sin brought death. And so he's, he's given you that. He wants to give you that. He wants to give you his grace, his empowerment, his favor. And he wants to make you a son, make you a daughter again. So he's asking you not to run away anymore, just to come to him. And how you do that? You just give your life to him. You make him the Lord, the boss of your life. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And I want to pray with you. And you're going to pray with me. We're going to pray a prayer together, all of us in here. And you're going to do it by faith. That means you're going to believe it with all your heart. You're going to mean it. And God's going to meet you right where you're at. And today can be a new beginning, a new day in Christ Jesus. We love you so much that we want to take this time to give you that opportunity to do that. So if that's you in here and says, Pastor Sean, it's me, I want to give my life to Christ I'm tired of the way I've been living. I know I need something more. I want this emptiness filled. And I want to give him my life today. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you're at. And when you raise your hand, you can put it down. Is there anybody in here today says, Pastor Sean, that is me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anybody in here says, that's me, that's, that's it, okay. You can put your hands down. Thank you. Anybody else says, Pastor Sean, that's me. I want to give my life to Christ. I'm tired of the way that I've been living. I want to give it to him. I want to feel his love. I want to receive that love, that forgiveness. I know there's something inside of you. is pushing you on the inside of you. Raise your hand. Don't let this day pass. Anybody in here? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Thank you, Jesus this is what I want to do I want to pray with you I want everyone in here to repeat this prayer after me and say it out loud and those who raise your hand say it out loud and pray this to the Lord and the Lord is going to meet you right where you're at this is going to be the start of the greatest journey of your life so everybody again bow your heads close your eyes and pray this prayer say Father God I bow my knees to you and I give you everything I give you all my life and I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for me to take my sin to take the punishment that I deserved and I thank you for going through death for me and now I receive all that you have for me in Jesus name I receive your grace I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And from this day forward, I give you everything. And I will serve you. In Jesus' name. I make you the Lord of my life. I confess Jesus as my Savior. In Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Listen, if you did that for the very first time on your connection card, everybody get out your bulletin right now. There is a connection card in there. If you could fill that out, because listen, this is only.